0: Hello
1: and welcome to the Gifted Life Podcast, where we have conversations about organ, tissue, and eye donation. You can always find us at thegiftedlife.org. I'm Lori Steele.
0: I'm Joey Boudreaux.
1: And I'm Sarah Blakemore. Coming up on the podcast today,
0: we'll be talking to someone who went from a myth spreader to a myth buster and hear exactly what it was that opened his eyes to donation.
2: And we're going to talk about how to improve your self-control with minimal willpower. Oh, I like that. All that and more right here, The Gifted Life,
1: next. Next. Here on The Gifted Life, we are excited to introduce you to two of our newest friends from Donor Alliance. Ann Gaspers, how are you, ma'am? I'm doing great today, thanks. Good, tell us what you do over at Donor Alliance.
3: Well, Donor Alliance is the organ procurement organization and tissue bank for Colorado and most of Wyoming. We are based in Denver and I am the public education coordinator. I manage our educational programs for grades six through 12, as well as our collegiate programs. And also work with the driver
1: license offices. Uh, Anne, and we love it. And we love to partner and bring that information to you, our listeners. So our ask is that uh, when you hear this episode, please help us share so that more people can get this information. Uh, so Anne is introducing us to Ken Turnipseed. Hey, Ken.
4: Hello, everybody.
1: Ken also hey. is with Donor Alliance and has ties to Louisiana, which is where we record this podcast. So Ken, tell us what you do for Donor Alliance.
4: Well, I am uh, fortunate enough to be one of the uh, one of the instructors, and we we go out to uh, middle school, high schools, junior colleges, and uh, technical schools to talk to them about uh, donor alliance and the benefits of being donors, and more importantly, answering questions and hand- handling challenges. So it, it, it's a great job. Love it.
1: Oh, I love it. And I was talking to Anne when we were uh, talking about hopefully getting you guys on the podcast and she couldn't um, wait for us to meet you because you also have a tie to donation and a tie to Louisiana. Um, So podcast crew, if that's okay, uh, Ken, talk about um, your brother, your tie to Louisiana and your passion for donation.
4: Well, actually, uh, again, I am uh, we were from Mississippi and. My brother went to college in Louisiana, so that's how he ended up in Louisiana. Um, he ended up going to Xavier. But for me, uh, when as we grew up, the one thing they were absolutely told was if at any time you were in a situation where um, you could lose a limb or you, you were in terms of donating body parts we were always told do not do it the only thing that'll happen is that they will uh that they the great they, would uh take the body parts and donate them to somebody else and so it was always a big no-no and as i was growing up and became an adult I passed on that same erroneous information. Then for me, I, uh, as I was working, I finally, I got a call. As I got in Colorado. I got a call that uh, my brother was on death's door, that he had had his third heart attack, and that the one thing we needed to do was to come down and say goodbye. So we came down, and as Divine Intervention would have it, he was on death's door. A lady was uh, killed in a car accident, and he ended up getting her heart after being tested to make sure that he was strong enough to handle it since he was first on the list. And uh, so that changed his life, my life, my kids, his kids, and there I was once he made it through the operation and everything was okay, then I finally looked in the mirror and and said, you know, what have I done all these years? All the people that I have influenced, that being an organ donor was a bad thing. So now, here I am. I'm filled with all of this guilt. I'm filled with appreciation, and I got my big brother back. And the family did not want to be contacted, so there's nothing I can do. I mean, I can't express the guilt. I can't really express the gratitude. So all of this was weighing on me as, uh, as I came back to Denver and looking for some way to alleviate that pain and and fortunately um uh, uh, my daughter uh, brought me a message and about uh, donor alliance was looking for potential instructors, so I pursued it um, talked to them and it was it was like manna for heaven it was a chance for me to alleviate some of my guilt, but at the same time make amends for all the people that I had influenced negatively over time. so uh, I ended up getting with the organization, went through the training, and oh, I guess for you almost eleven years now i have been I have had the honor to go to uh, the elementary school, middle schools high schools, junior colleges, and even had the opportunity to talk to adults and adult programs. So I am eternally grateful for the opportunity to, to be able to teach and talk. And hopefully as time goes on, I get to the point where I feel that I'm making amends for all the people that I negatively influenced. So.
1: Ken,
0: that's my story.
1: What a story, Joey, Sarah. Are, are you like me? Like my mouth is like, wow.
0: Yeah, it's it's. I I can imagine Ken and Ann. You can probably speak to it that to have someone, you know, who's gone through the kind of that circle of of uh, you know not believing in donation and then having that that personal experience, that the impact that that must must have on these you know, youngsters, these 6th, 7th, 8th graders. Uh, it must be amazing to watch, Ian. Yeah,
3: I think that uh, that's the real value of our program. And I forgot to mention earlier, our program is called Transplantation Science. And we teach the science behind organ and tissue donation and transplantation through four different stations. So it's very interactive. We bring organs and organ specimens and, um sorry, plastinated organ specimens and other materials into the classroom so they can get up close and personal and learn really what these, the benefits are of transplantation and donation. Um, And I just have to tell you that I've observed Ken teach and the passion he brings to the classroom, he has such a great rapport with kids, no matter whether they're sixth graders or, uh, juniors in high school in an anatomy and physiology class or even adults and um, he just really brings that to the classroom and shares so much knowledge with the students and I have to tell you that I just looked up the data Kenneth taught, taught over 29,000 students wow. over the last 11 years wow. which you know to me is quite amazing oh
1: my gosh so, so- Sorry, Joe. Like we all, can. we got to get to you. We have so many <laughs> questions. Go ahead, Joe.
0: Well, it's it's such a great program, and you can, uh, I guess, uh, you guys can speak to it a little more. But but just on the surface, seeing that you guys connect to the students in so many different ways, you know, there's there's some of us, uh, you know, that love to learn through the science aspect. I love that that portion. That's what drew me to nursing, you know, initially, and then the the addition of having that uh, that emotional side to it and, and that connection that, that Ken brings. It must be, you know, uh, it seems like a, an all-around wonderful pro- program that you guys have there in uh, Colorado and Wyoming.
3: Yeah, it's we've just been expanding the program every year, and I have to say that um, Ken's experience with the program and knowledge has really helped train a lot all of our other educators. So that passion that you do bring, Ken, is really important. Um, Can you share maybe some experiences you've had with the students that you've taught?
4: Uh, It's gone gone, uh, full circle. I have had, I've gone into some schools where, I I mean, tough schools. Um, I've gone into schools where kids were really accepting from the very start, and again, schools that wasn't. But the biggest satisfaction is having, uh, some of the teachers will have the students send letters back, um, and and those letters coming from the students are, are pretty rewarding. For instance, people saying that um, my parents, didn't believe in being a donor but I am convincing them that they need to be. Um, some people saying that I have family members who have been recipients and that they are sharing those stories with their peers. So it's it's kind of a rippling effect that I, we are seeing so you know that the program has benefits and you know that the message that you're delivering is getting to people and helping the cause. And it doesn't matter whether it's in schools where, where students are attending, or it doesn't matter where they are tougher schools, kids will listen. Kids will absolutely listen. And you come out of that knowing And saying to yourself, you know, I I think I made a difference here. That is what's rewarding.
1: I love that. Here on The Gifted Life, we talk about one person making a difference. Ken, like Ken, 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 it's you, man. (laughs) Um, I do want to talk about, we've been reading up and we are excited um, at LOPA to learn about transplantation science, but you talked about uh, four stations when we were doing our, our research. So I kind of want to know a little bit about each of those stations and um, what you guys teach. And then um, any resources for teachers in your area or here, because um, I think there's an online component, so either in-person or online. Can you, um, can you guys fill us in on
3: that? Sure. I'm going to let Ken talk about the setup of each station because he's the one that teaches it. And then I can chime in on the resources that we have both in-person and online.
4: Okay. So we really have, uh, and we're blessed to have organs that we can share with the students because I'm telling you, there's nothing like being able to see a human heart or to see a lung, or to see the effects that uh, smoking cigarettes and weed and vaping has on the lungs. But first, let me just talk about the four statements. So first, at station one, we will have the organs, and all of our organs are slightly different, but it will be a human heart, and, and uh, students will get to touch a human heart, and let me tell you, that is pretty cool. Wow. Uh, then we'll have a lung, uh, liver, and kidneys, and they'll get to look at that, and, and we can tell them uh, we can show them how large their lung is as compared to the ones that we have, and everybody is amazed at how large their lung is. And um, and then in station two, we'll talk about the human heart, and as an exercise where they will go through, the students will go through to determine which person should get a heart. So they have to go through their, their six candidates, the one heart and they'll have to go through and figure out which person should get the heart based off the of criteria that's given to them. So that's real life. And they get to they get to make the decision as to who gets the heart. And that's pretty amazing within itself. Station three and station four take two stations. Station three, we'll talk about the cornea, we'll go through the cornea and cornea blindness, which comes from aging, heredity, injury, and infection, and we'll talk about how that is handled. We'll talk about how that cornea is replaced, and that is intriguing to everybody. And then in Station 4, we'll talk about um, skin and how skin is transplanted from burns. And that, too, uh, is amazing. So when you look at that with, with skin and bone, and uh, so we'll talk to them how bone is used, even in terms of dentists using uh, bone from people who donated their bodies, and again, uh, skin. So it's um, it's pretty amazing, pretty interesting. That That presentation will take, depending on how much time we have, that presentation will take about 30 to 40 minutes. And then what comes after that is we'll go through and and, uh, answer all the questions that the students uh, will go through in the book. And that's where the real, real value comes in. And that they can ask us any questions about kidneys, and then stories will come up about their families and kidneys, and we'll talk about how the organs functions, and then we'll uh, we'll have a closing at the end, and in that closing, encourage them to talk, spread the word, and to share as we share about the benefits of being donors. So it, it's, yeah, it, it's amazing and rewarding. Every time we do classes, and every time for me, over the 11 years, every class is rewarding and fulfilling. So that's kind of an overview of, of
0: the four steps. I think, Can you sell the program short a little bit when you say it's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. I, have, I have to say I've been around. <laughs> For eighteen, Take a note, not, I know eighteen years, and this is absolutely one of the best all-around education programs that I have heard anyone present. I, I think it's wonderful what you guys did, creative what you guys did, and, and uh, as I said before, the impact on on these kids must be immense. I, I have a couple questions, just because I want to copy Ken. I mean, I, I'm not a very innovative dude. <laughs> But I can copy some, some, from some of the best. So uh, I was wondering, what are you guys using? Are you guys using models as far as the, like, the, you, you mentioned the heart, you mentioned the lungs, and you, you also mentioned, like, lungs with, uh, with a, that have had uh, smoking impact on it or, 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 you know, marijuana impact on it. Are you guys using models or you actually have the organs there in a, in a container uh, for them to see? Uh, so we're
4: using uh, the organs. For instance, uh, for me, I have a uh, lung that, for, that came from a person who was 26 years old, two-pack-a-day cigarette smoker, and smoked weed. And, um, and we, we'll, so we'll have mouths. Some of them are plastic, but some of them plastinated. And so the kids really get to see, feel, and touch. The other thing that really helps too is, especially if there's a kid in the class who tends to talk and just will not shut up, uh, then we'll grab that kid and bring him up and make him part of the, mm-hmm. the uh, program. <laughs> we'll have, we'll show the class where the kid's uh, lungs left lung or right lung start and ends and then. Boom. Everybody's into it and overwhelmed. Oh, I
0: did not know that oh, that's amazing. Mm-hmm.
4: So it's a uh, that makes for never having a bad class when you get the rabble rather involved, oh, yeah. and it works every time, every time. And uh, so, so it's assured that when the kids walk out, they are absolutely they absolutely understand what. We intended to teach, and it enforces the uh, the message.
1: I love that, and definitely have to be flexible. Um when you're out in the community. Uh, Ken, I I join you out in the community as well, Um, but I too am going to look for um, these resources. So I know that um, you guys were saying can do in person uh, following COVID-19 and safety issues and then online as well. So Anne, can you kind of fill us in on um, how we can get more information?
3: Sure, and I'll just add that we get our plastinated specimens. So they've gone through a plastination process and we order those through the uh, University of Maryland State Anatomical Board. And they come from people who have donated their whole body to science. And so that that's kind of how we are able to provide these. We also um, have funding through our Emily Keyes, John W. Buckner Organ and Tissue Donation Awareness Fund. And that's uh, all of our educational programs are supported through that fund that people donate to at the driver license office when they go through to renew a license or get a new driver license. Our transplantation science program, uh, we have all information about that on our website at www.donoralliance.org slash transplantation science. We have an in-person program that we've been managing for many, 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 many years. And I have to tell you, I was resistant to trying to put it online because teachers tell us time and time again, the greatest value of this program is that the students get to see the organs, they get to try on corneal blindness glasses and work through a workbook that has activities for each station. And so we provide those workbooks. The whole program is free to any teacher that wants to Sign up for the program. <clears throat> we schedule these to be uh, anywhere from a 45 minute class to 90 minute class to a two hour class, depending on the the class situation for teachers. We often uh, Schedule our educators to go into school and teach, for example, all seventh-grade science classes for the day. Sometimes we schedule three educators for the same school on the same day. And then uh, we've had to shift over the last few months as everyone has to create a digital curriculum. And so uh, we've shifted a little bit and we had some of our educators filmed short, two minute videos about each station from their homes. And we posted those online as our digital curriculum. We provided our workbooks as PDF files For teachers and students. That's something I'd like to change because a PDF is not really easy to use for students, but we did also create a Google form where kids could write in their answers on the Google form. Um, And, you know, we've been trying to provide these resources to teachers. I think over the last few months it's been challenging for teachers to know what resources to use and how to. access things and what they need to just let go of Um, and so we're hoping to improve upon what we've created because there's always room for improvement for our program all the time and we're going to you know improve some of the aspects of it like the workbook aspects of it for the fall semester we also created over the last couple of years what we call our transplantation science traveling trunk where we ship the materials to our teachers in colorado and wyoming so that they are you know smaller schools are that are more remote are able to have the same access and then we've actually been hosting zoom conferences with an educator the last couple of years so our educators and teachers that had taken part in that were pretty well versed in zoom before you know they COVID happened and they had to start switching their instruction to Zoom. So we felt good about helping out the community in that way.
1: We, lo- I was taking notes. I was still taking notes, Ann.
4: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so as, as an educator, the, the thing, the glue that holds us all together is really in and the work that she does in the background. So we take what she has done and then we'll go out and execute and then we'll come back and do and back action. Review If there's anything we need to change, we'll change or suggestions that we have and and make that happen. So um, in a lot of instances, we have the easy part and it's in the background talking to the teachers, being creative, coming up with new ideas. So I guess in in essence what I'm saying is I think we have a pretty good team and I am quite proud of us.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think you should be. Um, So I work with families who are making those end of life decisions. And what we like to tell everybody in the community is stay informed and make an informed decision. And I think that's exactly what y'all are doing. You're reaching out to kids who are reaching out to their families. You're keeping that conversation going and it's creating a powerful, positive change in your community. So, I mean, thank you so much. It's This is very powerful and very impressive.
3: And the, you know, our call to action, we don't register kids in classes. And I really don't know any OPOs that probably have that as their main purpose for educating in classrooms. Our main purpose is to encourage students to have a conversation with their family that night, tell them what they learned in class. And we've created a family discussion survey. We have paper format and digital format, and we encourage teachers to assign that as an class assignment, homework, extra credit, however they wanna do it. And then they send those back to us so that we can collect data on, you know, what what is going on in these conversations. And we found that a grand majority of students, their parents are registered as donors, which is fantastic. But now they're having that conversation with their kid, which is so important before they go into the driver license office to get their permit or license.
1: Well, I uh, I love this program. I love that you took the time to let us know a little bit more about it. And Ken, just the fact that um, in order to honor your brother's donor you're working so hard to save more lives, to make life happen. To me, that is just incredible. And I'm excited um, at what you guys have going on in Colorado and Wyoming. I know, Anne, you and I talked about uh, college curriculum as well. I love when we partner up um, because education is key and our big goal is to make life happen across the board. So I think um, the more we do that, the more we all learn and the better we all are. Agreed. Okay. So if you want more about what we talked about here on The Gifted Life, DonorAlliance.org slash Transplantation Science. That's DonorAlliance.org slash Transplantation Science. And Ken, can't thank you guys enough.
3: Thank you.
4: Okay, good talking to you all.
1: On The Gifted Life, we take a moment for mental health.
0: Yes, Sarah, what you got for us today?
2: Okay, guys, so today we are gonna talk about self nudging and the idea behind it, and what are some really simple things we can do to help ourselves. Okay. So the, the idea behind self nudging is that anyone can design their own environment in a way that can make it easier for higher quality and a lot more production and making better choices. So we always talk about on the podcast, like, what are ways that we can improve our physical, mental, spiritual selves, right? And that's really what this corner is about, is talking about that. So one way to do this is we're going to improve our self-control, because I know that's kind of difficult for people, especially when we're quarantining, right? I mean, I've been snapping. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, So the idea behind self-nudging is really easy things that you can do to improve your self-control, right? Right. So let's talk about it. So one thing we can do that's really, really easy is we can use reminders and prompts. Um, I like to put post-it notes, whether they're the like physical ones or like on your computer. I know you can do those post-it notes to remind you and give you positive affirmation throughout the day to keep making those healthy choices. You can always choose a different frame. So when we frame things differently in our minds that are positive, I know it can be hard to go to the gym. sometimes you can talk yourself out of it. but if you reframe it and remind yourself that it's you're trying to improve, you're doing better, you want to feel better. It's really powerful what our mind can do, right?
0: Yes, Sarah, you talk about the gym and uh, you know it's funny. I just had a lunch break and I probably should have put a little post-it note uh, right over my, my snack bowl so that I didn't need <laughs> that KitKat. Uh, but, but the gym part is not an issue because I do it as soon as I wake up. So I don't even have an option to tell myself, no, I can't, or no, I'm not, you know, so I just, I make sure that that's not an option. I wake up, you know, at about five I hit the gym and then, and then don't give myself that option, you know, to, to try to weasel out of it because I've got multiple other things going on. It's that snack bowl that gives me trouble.
2: Right. And and I love that you mentioned that because that's, you know, what we're talking about. It's structuring your environment, structuring your day um, so that you can improve yourself. So that's great. Um, Another really good tip is that you can reduce accessibility to temptations. Um, I know you said putting a post-it note on that snack bowl. Um, Another <laughs> great way is not buying junk food at all to have in your house. Or
0: that
1: is
2: me. I have made that change, Miss
1: Sarah. I get an I, A in that one.
0: <laughs> I don't buy any at my house. It's because I'm in the office and other people buy it. That's the problem.
1: <laughs> I have little kids running around who love snacking, and so during quarantine, especially, I noticed that they were just really going through these snacks that. Uh, at first, I was buying it just as a treat, right? So then I bought a basket <clears throat> that's dedicated to apples, bananas, cucumbers. So you got to go through that first. And then I'm not buying as much of the other stuff, which also helps me <laughs> because the COVID fluff is real.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> but it, it's a
1: conscious effort in the grocery store to avoid that aisle and to spend more time in vegetables and, and fruits for me. So that's helping.
2: Right. And you know, I know we've been mentioning a lot of physical things, but it's also, you know, if you have if you're having high anxiety right now, and I know the media can be we're getting a lot of information and a lot of it's negative right now, so reducing your accessibility to that, whether that's taking time away from watching the news even for an hour or just reduce your accessibility to things that are going to cause you harm. That's really yeah. what that is. Yeah, and so the last really quick little tip i want to give is that increase your accessibility through social pressure. So i know right now a lot of people are very active on social media and they're telling you what are ways that you can help others. So so when we hold ourselves accountable and when we bring in that social accountability too it'll increase and help us make better choices. Yeah, i like that. We always start our day
1: hopefully we're a light and make somebody else's day brighter in some way, shape or form, whether it's greeting the neighbor or or something like that. But um, I'm trying to put that into play for them so that it comes natural. Uh, but then I still have to work at it too. So, so I hear that. That's a neat list.
2: Yeah. So just remember, you know, you can self-nudge yourself into making a healthier lifestyle. So these are just really quick tips. Hope it helps. I love it. Maybe you have a topic
1: you'd like Miss Sarah to cover. Info at thegiftedlife.org. We'd love to hear from you. In every episode of The Gifted Life, we honor a hero. Today, our hero comes to us from our partner over at Donor Alliance.
3: Today's hero is Kenzie Kingry. Sydney Rhodes remembers her sister Kenzie's sweet laugh and freckles and describes her as the glue that did and still does keep her family together. Kenzie was a good student, a typical teenage girl that enjoyed driving around in her little Honda Civic, listening to music with her friends. Kenzie tragically passed away in October 2004 just four days before her 18th birthday. As a registered donor, Kenzie was able to save the lives of five recipients through organ, eye, and tissue donation. Sydney has shared in our transplantation science video that Kenzie was 17 years old, a high school student, and was at a party. Things got a little out of control and there were a few gunmen there, so she was shot. She wanted to be a donor it was a conversation that we had had in our family prior to her getting her driver's license. So it was never a question of whether she would be one or not. About three days after that, we received a letter from Donor Alliance saying that she had been a donor. She had saved five lives. Sydney shares that it takes what is the most unbearable pain and brings her joy. Because there are five people that have received her organs. There's her heart recipient, who they actually met, who is now a part of her life, and who walks around burying her heart. And when Sydney thinks of how much she misses her and loves her, there are five other families out there that wouldn't have their people if it weren't for her. It's almost 16 years after becoming a donor, but Kenzie lives on not only in her recipients, but also through their families and her own family. If you'd like to see more about Kenzie's story, please go to DonorAlliance.org slash TransplantationScience. And now we pause
2: and say thank you to Kenzie for the gift of life.
0: In our question and answer segment, uh, today's question, I'll go ahead and read to you, Lori, since this is in your wheelhouse. What age? Got my attention. <laughs> what age should I talk to my child about organ donation? Should I wait until they get their driver's license? Since you have a few little rugrats running around, I figure <laughs> should be right there for you.
1: Yeah, I have two thoughts on this, um, and I'm just glad that we're actually having this conversation because. Um, As a community educator, we do go out and and talk to kids before they get their driver's license. So I think that's also important. Um, But I have a five-year-old, a six-year-old, a 13-year-old here at home. And because they're around all these amazing volunteers, whether recipients, donor families, or those waiting, they understand donation and they understand the concept that someone gave, and that's the right thing to do. It's an act of charity, it's an act of love, it's an act of hope. And so they are already talking about a heart on their license to help friends that they've met and friends that have become family. So I think when the kids are ready to start talking, then you do it. So we don't get into the science of it um, with the little ones, but we do have an organ anti-doll and we talk about organ function and things like that. And we do that um, in schools with Girl Scout groups as well. And so I think it's well received. Um, My other thought on that is that we have, We have a sweet donor family and in my mind, I'm seeing a picture of Ava Grace who had just graduated from kindergarten. Um, Ava Grace had a twin sister. So working with that family to understand donation, working with her twin sister um, who was so young to understand the concept of donation, didn't understand the science behind it, um, but beginning to understand that it's an act of love, that others are able to live, that her, her sister is a hero. Um, I just have seen it work, and the more we talk about it, the more we answer their questions. We speak on their level. Um, I think that plays into um, our mission of making life happen, of giving the gift of life, of of working together to save more lives. So I think if the if the child is ready, if they're asking questions, if they're curious, we answer those questions the best of our ability, um, and we just help them understand the big picture: love, life, hope. Donation.
2: Yeah, what a great question. Um, we want to hear from you. Do you have any questions for us? If so, email your questions to info thegiftedlife.org. You can also give us a call at 504-648-3477. We might even play your message on the podcast. And that'll do it for The Gifted
1: Life, episode 139. Thank you for listening. Remember, you can register as an organ, eye, and tissue donor anytime at registerme.org.
0: Also, thanks to Ken and Ann for putting together such an amazing program for students about donation that will most certainly be borrowed by many in our industry after listening to our podcast.
1: I love that. Love our partners. Um, The best place to find us to find
2: that information is on our website, thegiftedlife.org. You can listen to any episode on our website or you can listen on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you do listen on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a five-star rating and subscribe so that others can find our podcast. And you can also follow us on any social media. You can like our page on Facebook, the Gifted Life Podcast, and you can follow us on both Twitter and Instagram at Gifted Life Pod. Thank you for listening. Our ask
1: is that you share this podcast so that others can learn and we can make life happen. We want you to go out and do something you wouldn't normally do to help us make life happen. We're a team. Thanks for listening. This is a production of LOPA, or the Louisiana Organ Procurement Agency. The Gifted Life is hosted by Lori Steele, Joey Boudreau, and Sarah Blakemore. Our executive producer is Kirsten Hines. Producer is Shalon Caraway. Intern is Rebecca Ranham. And we are recorded, engineered, and mixed in our Covington, Louisiana studio by Troy Perez.